HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila, delicious and smooth tequila, made in harmony with the earth. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume. Drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca, home of New York's craft cider. I love New York. Plan your getaway at visitithaca.com. Welcome to The Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Kilolo Strobert. We'll talk to Kilolo about all things fermented grapes. We'll taste a sparkler made from Nebbiolo from the Piedmont region for our weekly wine sip. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Brooklyn's own Kilolo Strobert is a true Crown Heights affair. After attending high school on the Upper West Side, culinary school at Johnson & Wales, her love of wine, hospitality, helping friends with wine pairings and recos solidly pushed her into the wine world. She has worked all aspects of the business, including retail at Morel, Ledoux, Fresh Direct, the Hotel Parker Meridian, Zagat, an importing company, and more. 18 years ago, she took a job at a wine store in Prospect Park. She is now the owner of that same store, or at least I think so. Um, Fermented grapes. Kilolo is committed to wines that are natural, highlights diversification, globalization, women, and the BIPOC winemaking community. Welcome to the Grape Nation, Kilolo. Thank you. All right, we're talking to Kilolo. We are... uh, at the Heritage Radio Network Studios at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Brooklyn in the house today. I mean, in right? the serious house. All right, Kilolo. Um, you have a great story. 
and I think it should be shared with everyone. So I think to frame this interview, because there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about, <laughs> I want you to take me through that journey in life and wine that really not got you to Brooklyn, but kept you in Brooklyn where you now have this, you know, terrific store, fermented grapes. But give me the how did we get there part. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's so funny when people ask you, like, where do you start? Right. So I guess I start with my parents weren't big drinkers. Were not? No. Okay. My father was a pescatarian, what we call a vegetarian then. Uh, didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't curse. And my mom did all those things, but was not a big drinker. Uh, <laughs> she's probably going to kill me because I said that to start. But that's okay. That's Love okay. you, Mom. Um, and so, but there was, they loved to party. My father was a musician. There was all, I grew up in Brownstone, Brooklyn. So, you know, um, he built a recording studio for himself in 1980. So there was always you know, music and fun and things happening in the house. Uh, so I was around alcohol, especially because of, like, my family was big and partied. Um, cut to what you touched on. I actually went to high school in Manhattan, um, a private school on the Upper West Side. And uh, private school is very different from public school, um, which some people... Um, may or may not understand. Um, you you also crossed boroughs to go to high school. Yeah, so I'm a Crown Heights native. Like I grew up on Bergen Street. Um, I I rep Brooklyn hard. Uh, straddled the the Bed Stuy Crown Heights border all the time. You took the A to Nostrand or the <laughs> two or three to Kingston. Those are my stops. Um, technically still my stop, one of them. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it was, you know, when you're 11 years old and 12 years old and you start traveling the city and you're able to see a lot of things, it opens up your eyes. Um, but I had a friend whose family and she was, she was very into food and, uh, she introduced me to sushi and, um, a bunch of stuff. And then in high school, uh, we poured at her mom's, one of her mom's, I think it was her mom's 40th birthday. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had my first bottle of Clicquot and we made proper martinis. We were the bartenders and uh, it was fantastic. And I was like, oh, what is this wine thing? Cut to being a vodka and a beer drinker. Um, even though I experienced champagne uh, in college, Johnson & Wales, that I ended up going to. Let me just ask you a couple of questions before yeah. you get to that. You still friendly with that woman? Yes, extremely. Okay, and definitely one of the most influential people at that time to point you in a direction where you're at now? Oh, she's still in food. Okay. I mean, we were in food in high school, I guess. Okay. She is, she's one of those, she's an amazing person, Nina. Um, who I adore to this day. All right, so fill in a little gap for me. Mm. You go to high school in the city, and then you're going to get into going to Johnson & Wales in Rhode Island. I just want to know when and why you decided, I'm going to culinary school, so, I'm going to Rhode Island. 
I went after private school. I ended up at a college in upstate New York called Hartwick. Okay. I got kicked out after my first semester. Any fun reason why you got kicked out? There are many reasons why. Okay, we'll take that. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, people laugh at this story because it's funny. Um, I think everyone should have a gap year. Yes. I don't think you should just go. As a dad, it's now more than ever, but it always made sense. It it just makes sense. Had I had a gap year, I wouldn't have even ended up there. I would have known a lot more. But it led me to culinary school. So what ended up happening, I got kicked out. One of my uh, good friends at the time who was going to Cornell, I said, listen, you write my appeal letter and put all this stuff in it because I'm not good at writing. So she wrote my appeal letter. I submitted it. I got back in. Then I left after a year and like a try. And during that eight-month period when I wasn't in college, I went up there because Busta Rhymes was performing on the (laughs) campus. Okay. And one of my other friends who left, I bumped into him. And actually, he's since passed away. So, like, his influence in my life is, is re- this is, like, a turning point. It's so wild. I saw him, and he said, oh, my God, come to culinary school. What are you doing right now? And I said, I'm just working. And he's like, come to culinary school. There are all these black people there. You used to cook in the dorms. It'd be so much fun. It's in Rhode Island. And I was like, culinary school? Like, I didn't even realize you could go. So I started researching culinary schools because my mom also was like, all right, you have to start paying rent. Right. And I was like, what? No, I'm. there's no way I'm paying you rent. <laughs> I got to get out of here. So I started doing research. And at that time, um, CIA was not accredited. At that time, I'm pretty sure. And I wanted to go into an accredited college. And on top of that, you had to have experience in the kitchen. And I didn't have any. So I went to Johnson & Wales. And that's how I ended up there. So a Busta Rhymes concert. And my friend Rohan said, Let's, you, you got to come. It's so much fun. And he was such a great cook. So um, that's how I ended up there. A couple things. How... How long do you spend there? And I know you did culinary and marketing. Yeah, you know, so tell me what you walked out of there with. Culinary associates. Um, so two years studying culinary, and then um, food marketing was my bachelor's. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, why that? Because you were why curi- food marketing? Well, you you were <clears throat> interested in the business part. Uh, it was. So I was looking at hospitality management. I was looking at a bunch of things. And, you know, marketing always seemed to me like fun, you know, and it's just about positioning and, you know, how it's psychological. And, you know, it also includes advertising and includes sales. And I wanted to be an accountant, like back in the day. (laughs) When I was at Hartwick, I was about to clear like accounting. Oh, I mean, it was never going to happen. All right. Never. When I realized it wasn't just about numbers, it was more about rules. I was like, oh, no, this is not for me. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I just was like, okay, food marketing it is. And I already had enough credits like going towards it. I could do it in less than a year. I mean, I did it in a year and one like trimester. So I was supposed to be class of 2000. I was class of 2001. Right. No big deal. Yeah. Um, All right. So... You get out of there, and 
I mentioned in the opening, a bunch of places you did. Quickly take me through, I guess the most important thing is getting out of there. What were you thinking? What was your first stop? And then there was a progression of some terrific, you know, things that really built your career. So I wanted to work for like Hormel or Purdue or one of those big like Mars. But at that time in like the late 90s, early 2000s, farm to table wasn't a thing. Like (laughs) if you knew about food and about healthy stuff, they were like not interested in you. On top of that, they were all about like people that were blue chip and IVs and all this stuff. And I really started to see like breaking into that in marketing specifically was almost like never going to happen. So I was on Yahoo Jobs and I saw that Zagat was hiring for interns. So I applied for that and interviewed with like the best people. And I ended up working there after college. And that was great because it was paid internship and then it turned into working there. And I worked there. I also, which was great about working for that company is I was able to leave and come back. So I worked there off and on up until like 2008, right? Like right before they got sold to... Infatuation? No, Google. Oh, Google. Like I would would not be sitting here had I stayed, had my father not passed away and I thought it was time for me to move to California, I would have been a Google employee. I still would be working at Google. It's interesting how things work out. I mean, real interesting. All right, so (laughs) Zagat's the first stop at a school... Yeah. Then you get a little more wine-centric. So in 2004, I realized I wanted to be in the wine business because I'd already been going to tastings and, you know, doing all this stuff and working in publishing and food publishing. It was really easy um, for me to see that there was opportunities here. Um but what I saw was another mountain to climb being a black woman and going into this all white business. And I was like, oh man, here I go again. You know, it's private school, you do that. <laughs> College, you kind of do that. You know, you're in publishing, it's not that bad. Because for Zagat, there was some, there was, it was more diverse than probably mm. other places. Like, you didn't feel alone because there was right. diversity at Zagat. And I right. give them credit it ain't for no that. It private school. Right. But but, but in the company, yeah. you know, they had editors that were black and Asian and male and female. And, you know, you, you saw people coming in and out. And it was all about your character. So that was a great place to start after but college. But that was, that was years and years ago. So it sounds like I, I'm hardly implying they did the right job, the great job, the best job. But it seems like, from what you're telling me, they did an okay job. Zagat? As far as diversifying. As they, best. they, I, I give it to them. They, whether they knew that they were doing it or not, it was... And it was a while ago, so... Oh, this was, yeah. Yeah, this they was may when, or may not have known that they were doing it, but they did it, so... Yeah. I don't think it was about... I think they were being fair about the people that they hired, which is not a practice that clearly mm-hmm. a lot of industries practice um, because you see it's like a whiteout or, and, and that's purposeful. Like you can't say that you haven't come across candidates of that are in terms of diversity that can 
work for you. Like right. that just doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, no matter what industry. Um, Agreed. So yeah, coming out of Z- Zagat was great, but then I knew what I was walking into with wine. So I had a huge like Angela Davis afro. I permed my fro. I got straight hair. I was like, all right, like I'm I'm gonna dial it down, you know, like keep it, you know, somewhat not as boisterous, not as Brooklyn. Let's make it super corporate, basically, you know, trying to change yourself. So you had a play. To oh, I had the, a plan. But you no, had but that a, was the plan. But you had a play. The plan was you had a play to <laughs> to the just industry. infiltrate. Yeah, yeah to yeah, get yeah. in. And I was like, oh, I I know how to do this. All right. So where where do you want to go, and where do you go? I went to fermented grapes because my friend were, lived around the corner. She said, oh, there's this wine store that just opened. You should go drop off your resume. So I walk into this store. What are we talking, like 2004 Okay. I walk into this store, and I was immediately mad because the, <laughs> I made the owner. There are two owners. They happen to be a couple. Um lesbian couple um one of jewish heritage and one of black heritage (laughs) good mix Uh, yeah but you know she looked she had a ramon hairstyle like i was like am i interviewing with a ramon and then (laughs) her partner had dreads and i was like i just permed my hair and i'm sitting in front of these two women that obviously are who they are and they're not conforming and they're not they're being their true selves. And I was so pissed. And I was like, oh that my you God. your hair? Heck yeah. I worked hard on that <laughs> afro. Know. That afro I was know. like five years in the making. It was a serious. It shows you to be who you are, but other people are like that, but not that common then. But they, I mean, but they were, that was a blessing. Yeah. Obviously, because now I'm the owner. But I, Walked in there. I ended up working for them for over a year. Um, Zagat called, and I was like, I need to make more money, but I'm still dipping my toe in this wine stuff. So I was working two jobs, and then working there and working at Zagat, and then I just got burnt and started a whole other journey. Um, but always stayed in contact with them. And what was the journey? Was cool. I mean, the journey was my father passed away, and I was like, huh. Okay, I've never wanted to leave New York in like a real way. Where would I go? So I didn't, I knew I didn't want to, I wanted to be up in Oregon, but that was another, I, I would, knew I would be a token up there. I was like, oh, there are, there's no diversity up here. Like there's no way. And I was hanging out and I was in Willamette. This was in 05. And I was like checking things out. And I was, this was right before my father passed. And I was like, oh my God, this, I would move to Oregon, but I can't. Like, I don't, I don't see how I would have any kind of support out here. There's no way, shape, or form. Um, but I ended up in San Diego. I know. The weather. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Also, one of my closest friends was from there. We met in culinary school. Um, and he was like, I have a room for you. My roommate's moving out. And I was like, that's it. And that was after my father passed. So I went to San Diego, and then the recession happened of 08. And... You came back? I No, I lasted like a, a while. I lasted almost two years out wow. there. 
Oh, yeah. I was, like, chilling. I was like, I don't want to leave. It's a good spot to chill. Yeah. And I couldn't move to L.A. because I had so many friends in L.A. and so many connections to L.A. But I was like, I'm not for L.A. I'm for San Diego. I'm for Santa Barbara. Right. I want. I just want the high life. Like, there's no way. And I did not like San Francisco. I was like, there's, uh-uh. They're all different. They're, they're, California's humongous and super varied. So I ended up um, coming back to New York, and that's when I started working at Ledoux's. Okay. So Ledoux's is a still there, wonderful wine shop mm-hmm. downtown. Uh, Mr. Ledoux, who passed away years ago, was yep. you know, one of the great wine guys, certainly as a retailer. Amazing. So you are there, but you're there for a lot of years, right? I was there for almost four years. And do you think a lot of the chops that you got in the biz learned came out of Ledoux? Oh, yeah. I mean... Oh, oh, most definitely. Well, 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 part of the funniest part was, so when I... My interview at Ledoux is a funny story, too. So Andy Chernoff, he was one of the dictators. It's like a punk band of like... Oh, really? Yeah. The band, the dictators? Yeah. Oh, cool. He did a tasting at Fermented Grapes when I worked there. And, you know, Debbie was... Huge. She's into music. She's into punk. She Debbie like, was one of is was one of, one of, the, one of the owners, okay. and actually, she used to get her hair cut by one of the Ramones' wives. Like that's how into. Um, I'm going she's on gonna a kill, limb saying Debbie she's going to kill me too for saying. But all I'm going stuff, on but. a limb and saying Debbie was the Jewish one. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and who you know these are. This is my family. Um. So she, no, so. I walk in to have my interview. Interview. I keep hitting the mic. Sorry. I walk in to have my interview with Jean Luc, but I end up interviewing with his GM. And Andy is like in the store picking wines, and we look at each other, and I'm like, I know you. Yeah, like, what are you doing here? He's like, what are you doing here? And then we start talking, we figure out like where we know each other, and we're cracking up. And the GM of Ledoux walks out, and he looks at us, and he's like, why do y'all know each other? Like he's got like scratching his head, and I was like, "Oh yeah, blah 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 blah." And I think it just solidified from then on. He was like, "Oh well, you have the job because you you know these wines because a lot of the wines they were selling they sold at fermented grapes, so I was already familiar with a lot of their stock, and I could read wine labels. And I was talking to Andy, and he was like, "Well, you clearly know how to talk to people." So I stumbled on an old video you did there. Oh, uh, yeah, when I was working for Golden Vines. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so you do four years there. Incredible experience. I mm-hmm. mean, you're lucky in the sense that you landed at a place that was terrific, you know, with a great owner. Oh, I mean. So why you leave there after four years, which is a pretty good tenure. Mm-hmm. Where do you go? Um, I went to a, a big, pretty big importer. Um, I was there for a year, and then I left there. Did they have a specialty? You know, was it European, France, Italy, spread out? Um, Spread out. Okay. You know. Uh, did you like that aspect of the business? I did. Um, it it was, I would say, the last time I, I thought I needed to conform. So it wasn't a good match. And part of the reason why it wasn't a good match is because I was... And this is the part that's my fault. I won't go into all the other stuff that was really bad about it or even really good about it. Um, but what I, the good part I take away from it is that you have to stay true to yourself. 
Um, you may think you're getting the best opportunity, but if that, if, if if you can't be you, if you lose sight of that, if you lose sight of you because you're, even if you're just trying to work it out, trying to figure it out, like it's good, uh, don't don't give don't give it more than three months. Be out. But you stayed there a year. I stayed. When there was a your year? realization? It wasn't as early. It as was three, three weeks. It was three weeks in. I knew. You knew. Yes. And, but you toughed it out or legged it out or whatever. I toughed it out for many different reasons, and then there were a lot of things that came into play where I was like, ugh, like that three week mark. I should have known. Yeah. That's a good lesson, like you said. Be true yeah. to yourself. So, for obvious reasons, you bolt out of there. Where do you go? Um, after that, uh, it was a rough, I guess, another four years. It was rough. Um, there, a I gap could, four years. Yeah. Well, when, you know, I still don't really talk about it because it's not that it's hard for me to talk about, but I've reconciled it. I'm just kind of like, you know, there are times in your career where you come up against obstacle obstacles. My mother's a Buddhist, so you know the obstacles and the karma and all that stuff. It, Always it a Buddhist or became a Buddhist. Became a Buddhist when I was like three or five. Oh, so most of most of my life. Growing yeah. Up, yeah. Um, so the obstacles that I came across rooted in some nonsense and also just like me not knowing what I really wanted to do. Um, it was a four, three or four year journey of me just working for a lot of different people. And not uh, necessarily in wine. Oh, it was all in wine, but oh, I was what? trying to get out. I was like, I'm out. Like, I like am I'm done, done with or this. out with wine. Oh, yeah. Did I, any like one place or person it was sort of solidify the idea that I got to get out of here? Oh, it was it was a bunch of stuff. It was me coming against like rumors and bad stuff and just you know uh opportunities being taken away from me for all right so let's, just like just a lot of craziness so does that imply the fact that a lot of that and i'm making an assumption here but you mm-hmm. because you are a woman and a woman of color was that part of it or that was part of it but it was it's more that you have to fight for yourself and have and have the self confidence to continue to fight. And I first was, and foremost, that's I your was, foundation. My self confidence at that point was shot. It was done. You had been, it, but you lost it, or you're saying? Yeah, no. I mean, it, it just. You know, the the gas tank was empty. Right. It happened. <laughs> I had been fighting for so long. I was like, you know what? This is not my industry. But, you know, I keep getting these little jobs here and there. And I'm seeing all these people do this stuff. And I'm like, oh, you know, all right. Like, Kilolo, help this person. Aren't you going to help this person? You're going to get your little change. And, uh, but then I ended up working at Fresh Direct. And so it sounds that like brought you me were out. A- I was just going to say, it sounds like you were in a funk and something either got you out of it or you got out of it and you got out of it and you went to Fresh Direct, which is the... Well, I was I was trying to work for bigger companies and right. the op- a lot of the obstacles were people being like, no. And I don't mean like m- me just like applying. Like 
I also mean like friends that were in these companies and they were like, no, we're not allowing you to apply. And I was like, give them my resume. And some people were like, no, because it's not a good fit for you. Like, this is not going to work for you. And sometimes that hurts to hear because you're like, this is what I want to do. Right. It's not job. And I need a job. Right. And um, so I had, there were a lot of forces pushing me into, you know, the place that I ended up today. All right, so let's keep moving along. So you get out of the funk, you go to Fresh Direct, you spend how much time at Fresh Direct? Almost four years. Wow. Yeah. So a handful of places you spent, you know, pretty good time. What happens after Fresh Direct? I bought Fermented Grapes. Okay. So we're current. We're current. So Fresh Direct was the last job job you had before. Yeah. Okay. And Fresh Direct was, uh, um, was, was the right place for me to be. Right. That, that worked out to be a good uh, transition. Um, you know, we talked about this. It came up a couple times. Um, I'm curious if, you know, any of the equity we hope for in the industry, um, I mean, have you seen things getting better? Are we in a better place today? Is it BS? We just putting a Band-Aid over it? pandemic have any effect you know i mean because let, let me frame that no no, no i mean you, you've been you, in go the, ahead but no you've been I'm in the business you've been in the business two mm-hmm. decades mm-hmm. okay you're so i preface the question by saying you're a woman yeah you're a woman of color yeah um and the industry doesn't have a great reputation for any of that no so i'm just curious Today, you know, how you feel. Now, you may have gotten yourself out of it a little by being your own business person. But, you know, getting there, just give me some thoughts. Um, Well, as a small business owner, which I'm still reconciling the fact that I own a store, it's still very odd to me. I still feel like an employee. Um, It's almost a year, but I'm still like... That's funny. I mean, it, it... it takes a while. I'll let y'all know when when it will really hit me over the head that I'm the boss. Um, but I also have just been the boss in so many places. I think that's one of my friends brought that up. They're like, well, you've always been the boss. So that's why you don't feel it. That's, that's because you're a boss. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, I just feel like uh, we are at a time in history where the forces of, I won't say evil, but just, we don't know when the sands, the hourglass is going to be flipped. Like you can't see when that's going to happen. But as a black person who understands black history, it's going to flip. I just don't know how bad it's going to get. And we're seeing it's, it, we're, it's not done getting bad. <laughs> you wow. know, it's just not. And I... That doesn't sound overly hopeful. Well, no. The hope is is that it's going to flip. No, I get that. But, the, you know, we're still but we, away from that. We gotta get, I think we're a bit away from it. But the lining that I have, the silver lining... The light that I see at the end of the tunnel is this. During the, when the pandemic first happened and everyone was at home, it brought together more community. 
but it also brought together communities that are fighting for the quote unquote wrong side too. And that's where I have the hope. I didn't I didn't know about all of these people of color in the business. It's still not it's still none of us. It's still like zero. But the fact that there's 20 in Atlanta, there's 30 in New York, like you know, like when I was coming up, I knew of five of us for a really long time, especially I'm just talking about black women. Black men, forget about it. I knew maybe like four. Were there less black men as far as you could see than women? Yes, which is kind of weird, but that's what I was seeing. Uh, you're probably accurate. But I saw a lot more women of color, but it's not a lot. Right. Like say we went to one of those big tastings, like say the old school Martin Scott tasting that was at, um, you know, R.B. Fisher Hall in uh, right. Lincoln Center. Right. I would walk in there. There would be me, Beth. Bay, who's at 67. Um, Dottie. I would see her in there sometimes. Dottie and John. Yep. And um, there was one other woman who I never knew her name. She was tall, statuesque. Lee Campbell? No, not Lee. Not Lee. I never saw Lee at tastings. I heard of Lee because Lee was like, is still a person that everyone knew of. She's, but I didn't really. She's been at it for a while. Yeah, you know, I mean, but, early on. I look, I'm 44 years old. She she's one of those people. I can I can name a couple of people that when I got in, I was like, I've heard about you. I've heard about you, and I've heard about you. So, um, but she was never at that. But I would see consistently about five people where I was like, all right, it's, it's us. It's nothing. Nothing. You know, what? especially in New York probably pretty close to damn accurate in reality it's not like you missed anyone it's that was pretty much it yeah um so the follow-up to that question is the change are there a few more faces not really we're sort of in the same place no there's a there are a ton more faces okay which is fantastic um the question is you know how is you know I'm seeing it grow. We're all seeing it grow. So it look it doesn't look as fast as it actually is happening. And that's what social media is doing. Like all of a sudden, you'll get five more people that are following you and you're like, "Oh, you're 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 a student. You're doing WSCT or oh, you're you're in this side of the business. I didn't know about so you." It's funny you bring social media up cuz it was on my list to discuss cuz you know, social media is just, you know, part of my life fabric and all that. And mm-hmm. as a small business owner and, you know, a personality, it's a big deal which you just alluded to. Yeah. So, social media is important to you for various reasons, discovery, right. promoting your business. Totally, which I have promoting been... you. Yeah, I mean, which we're about to go real ham on it starting in July. Because I've been so busy trying to build certain other aspects of the business. Like, I really, the store is the heart of the business. So I've let social suffer. But now I'm now I'm caught up enough where I'm like, okay, now it's time to hit. All right. So let's, let's leave that. When we talk about the store, I want to talk about okay. that. Um, I 
it's not easy for me to move away from social issues, but I want to touch on an issue that is, you know, important and interesting to me, important and interesting to you. Yeah. And then that it's that category of natural wines. Okay. Which I hate, which you know, you're a big <laughs> proponent of. No, uh, wait, 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 wait. I'm I'm not a big proponent of natural wine. You don't like natural wine? I love natural wine. That's an opponent. Proponent is pro. No. Oh, okay. You, you, wait, what's the right Ask word? Ask me the question again. You and I are believers in natural wine, even though it's miss, you know, it's a broad category. Yeah. I think you represent it well in the store. I think you go even deeper, as I mentioned in the intro, with so, specific winemakers, yeah. women, color, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is the thing. I bought this store. I bought the store not only because of my ties to the store, right. but it's in a great location. Right. And what Debbie and Jan did in terms of foundation has been being proponents of natural wine. Right. So I would be- Early a, on, too. Early. Yeah. And, but LaDuz was like that, too. Yes. But he wasn't about, but, he wasn't a, he wasn't about pushing it. But a lot of the wines he sold, the winemakers were natural without talking about being organic. You know, they did that forever. And that was Debbie and Chan. Yeah. But they started to show more about by having tags saying organic or biodynamic, which I continue. But also, I've dialed, I my goal is to dial down some of that because I'm close to the park. But I want to stay about 65% natural organic. But that's easy. So they were more like 80 Right, you want to reflect the market too. Yeah, um, because I mean, I worked at a I worked at a grocery store for a reason. Like, I get how people, and how my people, and how my meaning my family, who's not in the wine business, how they shop, how they interact with, you know, spirits, right, and alcoholic beverages. Right. You have to take all the experiences and everything. But I'm uh, also in Brooklyn, so I got to be natural too. Yeah, well, I like the fact that. You could be a bunch of things and not one thing. Um, we have to take a quick break. Okay. We're talking to Kilolo Strobert. Um, when we come back, I want to talk specifically about your store and your vision, yeah. and things you're doing, things you have planned for the future. Um, so we can you're talk li- about more natural wine, too. Yeah. Well, that'll work its way in. <laughs> um, you're listening to The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll be right back. I'm Chaba Peribán, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN, here to talk about 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family-owned and operate distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainability-managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred, my organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 
40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca, helping you to plan your next getaway. Ithaca has waterfalls and wineries, art and theater, outdoor recreation, and family fun. The area is famous for its glacier-carved gorges, co-op-run businesses, and cultural influences from Cornell University and Ithaca College. Plus, you can't beat the beauty of Cayuga Lake, the largest of the Finger Lakes. Beyond 150 waterfalls and some of the region's best hiking trails, Ithaca is cider. The area is well known for its local cideries, which are leading the way in America's cider revival. You can hear from the region's cider makers directly on HRN series Hardcore. There's something really special about Ithaca's climate for cultivating delicious apples steeped in history and terroir. Let Visit Ithaca help you plan your next trip to this hub of food, drink, culture, and agritourism. Home of New York's craft cider, I love New York. Get started at visitithaca.com. Okay, we're back. We're back with my guest, Kilolo Strobert. Kilolo is the proprietor of Fermented Grapes in Brooklyn. And I want to talk to you about the store now. Cool. All right. Um, I, I caught you saying in a quote, doing some research, that this is not your average wine and spirit shop. <laughs> what does that mean? I, I think, I'll tell you what I think it means. It's yeah. a reflection of you. Yeah. But tell me what that, refl- you know, what are you doing? Okay, so for instance, when you walk into the store, actually any store that I've ever worked in, music has been a part of me and will always be a part of I me. love that. So it's going There's on. There's always music going on. But the music that I like to keep it very varied. Like you will hear Bach play after the Beastie Boys, play after biggie and then it'll flow into etta and then all of a sudden you know maybe a dictator song will come diverse and eclectic exactly a curiosity were the previous owners into the music thing or that's an imprint of yours okay so you walk in and there were those music going on oh yeah you changed the playlist to your playlist i kept their speakers and their subwoofer Okay. All right. But you put in your own mixtapes. Yeah. I mean, I make Spotify playlists. And then also when we get up and running in another way, because we have plans for a lot of things pushing into the next year, year and a half, two years, we have these plans. Um, Hopefully I'll be able to afford my friend Charlie, who does um, the playlist at Charlie Bird and all of those restaurants. He was working there. Um, his 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 name is Audio Culture on Instagram. Um, we went to Johnson and Wells together, ah, so cool. I was like, I'll be able to afford one of your playlists eventually. So it's important to me. I gotta hook you up with one of my sons, Willie Soul, who's a DJ. He's programming the music of Flippers at Rockefeller Center. Oh right now. shoot, that's he awesome. knows this stuff. Plays all over Brooklyn, but that's a separate thing. All right, so I said to you, not your average wine shop. First thing you said is you walk in, music. Super cool. Super Sets cool. the tone and environment. Thousand what percent. else? We say hello. Okay. Hello's on the door. Welcome to Moe's. Go ahead. Yeah. It's but it's on because you know, I'm I'm a New Yorker. I'm native, but I'm about that New York minute. Right. So I don't I we are I say this, I've been saying this for years. Even a four year old has an agenda. They have a calendar, 
They have their play dates. They have their study time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to greet you. And I say, if you have any questions, let me know. Because either you do or you don't. So there's a big intimidation factor in wine. Yeah, we try you know, to knock that Psalms out. With Psalms and with fancy yeah. wine stores. So that's, that's definitely part of, you know. So by kind of breaking the barrier down saying, hey, how are you? Can yeah. I help you? Hello. All right. So personalized service. Mm-hmm. Are you on premise most of the time? Yep. Okay. I'm all sitting right. in the window. <laughs> that's funny. So tell me. All right. So now you walk in. You feel good. There's some good uh, tunes playing. What am I walking around looking at? So right now you're walking around looking at about 300 different wines. Okay. I can go up to about 700, maybe 800 if I push it. Um, so you have that option and at some point, not you'll, that you'll get to 700, but oh, you'll I'm, rotate and grow. I'm going to get to 700. Okay. <laughs> okay. I have dreams. <laughs> so what, what, how does that break down? I mean, a lot of people break it down by color, white, red, by region, you know, not not Napa, California, Bordeaux, Burgundy. How do you... So my goal, and I'm still working on it in terms of like how it's shaping, because we've only been back open three months. So I have to keep reminding myself, Kilolo, it's your startup. This is all, you got to feel your way around. I got to feel my way around. Just because you do something doesn't mean that's it. Exactly. You got to tweak it. Exactly. So... The first sections you come across on the white wine side, so it's basically sides, red and white. But the first two sections on the white side, on the left side of the store, are rosé and orange. Then it flows into varietal specific. So, and I picked five. So Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Riesling, Chenin, and um, of course I'm going to blank on the fifth because uh, that's the way life goes. Um, it's not, pe- oh, no, Chablis? no, sorry. I only had, no, Chablis Chardonnay. Oh, I only, had- <laughs> it's all good. I only have four actually, because I hadn't decided what I want the fifth to be. Um, cause I'm also still feeling out the neighborhood and with the way wine is changing and with the way avail- availability is, I think I'm going to make that fifth section Gruner. Because I'm tasting some fire Gruners recently, and it's, I agree. it's just I'm like, okay, Gruner, you got it. Like, I agree. and Sauvignon Blanc's been the new Pinot Grigio, as far as I'm yeah, concerned. I just read an article. So I mean, I've been saying that for a while now, just because of the way trends have been. But if Sancerre keeps creeping up <laughs> into that forty, start it's starting into that thirty-five, you know, thirty-three, thirty-five minimum price range. That may kick Sauvignon Blanc out, but New Zealand still has a stronghold, so I don't think yeah. it will. Yeah. So the store is obvious and easy to navigate. Yeah. You and walk then in and you see. You see that. And then it flows into region specific. Okay. Because I do like to have, you know, then there's burgundy and there's domestic whites and, you know, and so then how, reds how, are the same way. So how do you curate that? I mean, take Burgundy, which, mm. you know, is tricky, expensive, yeah. not available. You want to look for the best values. You want to look for makers. I mean, how do you curate stuff? Are you tasting stuff all the time? Yes. It's past knowledge that you want to bring this yes. in? All of the and you, above. And you can't have everything you want. Like you said, you can almost double and go to 700 and you'll get there. But you, you can... You can't have everything you want, but eventually you can touch everything that you want. Good point. You know, because that's the beauty of retail. Like, it's not, 
you know, the world is your oyster. Right. And you also said that retail was your best fit in life, job-wise. When did I say that? I don't remember. Ah, I picked it up somewhere. Do you think now (laughs) that you're doing this, when we just talked about everything you did, you feel good and you're happy, like you're charged doing this? Yeah. I mean, I'm... I keep telling people, I'm like, I'm I'm in it. Like, it, there are good days, there are bad days. But I figured it out. Being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, bringing, being a small business owner means that you're consistently overwhelmed. So as long as you're okay with that, you're good. You got to be cut for that. Otherwise, oh, yeah. Dr- and the other thing is, if all that stuff's not going on, then maybe things aren't going well. Exactly. That, that noise is good noise. It's good noise. You know, in a sense. But you have to you have to be able to, once, once that bell goes off, it's okay. You just say, all right, let's hit it. Hit it, right, hit it. So back to my question. So you say you walk in and there's an orange wine section, a rosé section. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a section of white wines. How do you select those wines? Let me throw the answer out. Is it what you think your market wants and what you think is good? Are those the two major things? So I'm all about well-balanced wines. So there's a style that's important to you. Okay. And I mean, Mm -hmm. like, it can be the craziest thing you've ever experienced Mm -hmm. in your life. It could smell... Like raisins and taste like leather. But as long as it makes sense, I'm about it. So, you know, I I like wines to tell a story. But I don't want the story to feel disjointed. Like it's been cut badly. Like, you know, the editor did a bad job. I want wines to have a follow through and a flow. So isn't there two stories there's the story of the wine that you're describing, a follow-through mm-hmm. and a flow. And then there's also the winemaker or the place, which could be interesting or important, right? I mean, totally. is that important to you too? I mean, it's not as important as what's in the bottle. Because what's not in the, the bottle. first thing, yeah. No, I care about what's in you the bottle. You go backwards and then you find out what the story yeah. is. Like, and, and, and to me, the story is what gives me the validation that I'm picking right. But I also don't buy for myself. You can't. 50% of... The, I'm in retail, okay? I'm trying to sell to everybody. Right. I want you coming in. I you want you to buy be, something. Right. So if, if I fill the store with just me, I'm not doing my job. Nobody can do that. You'll People do of, it. Oh, I've been well, in stores where they do it. You can't open a clothing store with just stuff you like. You have to reflect the market. And wine is even trickier. Right. But, well, if you're following the trends... And you listen to what people say and what they ask you for, you should be pretty good. You have to pay attention, you know? All right. So I want to ask you a bunch of things, Mm. okay? I'm ready. We talked about natural wines. Didn't get into it too deeply. Just wanted to broach it. Um, (laughs) But you have definitely made a commitment in the store where you represent natural wines, organic, biodynamic. Yes. But also there's an eye towards women winemakers, BIPOC mm-hmm. winemakers, mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to seek that out, right? Yeah. It's I mean, rough. It is rough. I'm going to tell you to why. To represent it, you have to make the effort to look I'm going to tell it. you why it's rough. Just because you black doesn't mean I'm putting you on the list. Just because you're a female winemaker doesn't mean I'm putting you on the list. I don't give... 
do people curse on this podcast? Because I was listening, no one curses, and I curse like a sailor. People don't naturally curse. Oh, I naturally curse. Like, so I curse. Like... Me too, but I, I don't have to on the podcast. And a bunch <laughs> so of shows wild. I did, and people were like, you know, yelling at me, like, why are you cursing? Oh, my. So, okay, because I was about you know, to throw you, we some talk, I worked with Howard Stern for 30 years. You who know. I can't wait to meet one day, I so, tell you. All right, so. Just because you're um, black, just because you're a woman, you ain't necessarily getting on the wine list. So where do you take no. it from there? You taste. Back to what you said. You taste. You have to taste. And then also you have to talk to your community. You have to ask your friends. You have to ask. You have to look at other things that are going on. Like right now, I have about 10. I have a lot more women winemakers on the shelf than I have BIPOC. But part of that is because I'm still opening accounts with the importers that bring them in, and it's all over the damn place. You're not there yet. You're you're looking to do it. It's just you're a new store. I have a list of about f- 60 or 70. Mm, no, let's say 50 I need to taste. 10 more I want, I'm ready to put on the shelf. But, you know, I'm... I'm I'm not taking my time, but I'm definitely trying to. I'm now shopping for the fall. Summer's over already. I'm right, like, let, right, let's right. let's do this. That's the way the business runs. Yeah, right. season ahead. Couple of questions that I want to do on wine list. Okay. Uh, give me when I ask you this question. Give me one or two things. Wine, wines, winemakers, or regions that are exciting you right now. Oh, I hate questions like this. And I know. you know, everyone says this. I'm a That's why I waited towards the end and I'm only asking for one. And it doesn't have to be the right answer. It's one of the few that's rolling through your head. I know, you say that every time. I've been very much studying this podcast before I came on. Then answer the damn question. I mean Oh, he said damn. <laughs> yes. Come on. Yes. Um Damn, so- that's light. <laughs> it's totally light. But you know, we from we from we're from New York. We got to say something. Fuck that shit. Now go Woo! answer the question. Okay. So what I brought today, is that cheating? No, we're going to talk about it. We're going to taste it and evaluate it. Okay. But- so that is, it's not a region that I'm excited about. It's a wine winery that I'm excited about. And the reason why is because I want to buy everything that I taste. And that is very rare. I don't like it when I walk in a store and they have seven wines of the same producer. To me, that means that that you're not really evaluating, you know, you're not evaluating the situation properly. This winemaker is, I mean, the Barolo I have on the shelf, the Longy I have on the shelf. I've tasted the whites. I've tasted more of the reds. I am in love. And it's annoying because I'm like, I, I can't right, take so it all. Tell me just, we're going to talk more about it towards the end of the show during the weekly wine sip. But just to get it out for the record, tell me the name of the wine. Guida Bono is the winery. Guida Bono, and it's a sparkler. And this one is the sparkling, but they have Barolo, right. they have Nalange, Nebbiolo. It's a sparkler of Nebbiolo, yes. which is, you know, the traditional Piedmont grape. All right, so we're, we'll get to that in a second. The second thing I wanted to ask you is, um, you know, because I could sit here and talk to you about orange wine for two hours, but I don't even want to go there. But here's the second thing. I mean, why not? Let's take the seasons. You're the perfect person to ask this question to. Okay. I, I want to put together 
a case of wines mm-hmm. for the next few weeks, 4th of July, summer. Yeah. I want a varied case that reflects the time of the year. Um, it could be multiples of the same wine. Okay. You know, so I don't need 12 different SKUs. You can give me regions. You can give me maker, whatever. W- what What should I be drinking? What's What's that case? And I think a lot of what you said, you know, w- would go in there. All right. So this is how I sell. I'm real lucky because I've been tasting wine for 20 years and I'm not that good at remembering certain things. But what I do remember well are labels and big name things that are like, like someone came in the other day and said, I want Apothic. I'm not going to sell Apothic. It's not the store I am. I've had Apothic a million times. I know what it's like. I said, oh, you need this Nittenhouse Anita Austrian red blend. It has the fruit. It has the structure. It's not going to be as ripe, but it's like 75% towards getting to where Apothic is. You need that. And a screw cap. That's how I sell. So I would ask you a question. You come to me and you say you want a mixed case July 4th. First thing I say to you is, okay, do you have a favorite grape? Right, and the guy could be 80% whites. Could be, I just want reds. And that's, I can do that too. That's not an issue. I don't have an issue with that. You smack my ass on that question because it's the answer that's really the right answer. I always say this, that you have to seek out a store, a sommelier, that you can express your interests where they're genuinely into filling what you like and want by you telling them, by you being inquisitive and all of that. And if you want my opinion, because it happens every day. But they're they're going in there to hope for your opinion. But this happens every day. And this is why I say retailers are more psalms than psalms. And I get flack for this shit and I I don't really care. I agree. Because a psalm is dealing with a set menu. I, I agree. And I have to deal with Ethiopian food um, Bangladeshi food, pizza, bodega sandwiches, chopped cheese. <laughs> you freaking name Most it. people don't know what chopped cheese is. Go ahead. Well, pe- I'm just saying, like, people come in. It's New York, Thai, Japanese. I want a red wine with my sushi. Okay, I got that for you. Like, th- this is my job all day. So when I'm building cases for people... I try to get in their head within 30 seconds. And a lot of people are like, I drink water. I say, okay, so you don't have a favorite juice? Is it apple juice? Is it pineapple juice? Is it grape juice? Oh, you don't drink juice? Have you ever drank soda? Have you ever imbibed soda? Sprite, 7-Up, because they taste different. They do. Ginger ale. Like, Pepsi that, or Coke. Those, or Coke, those RC, tip you off to taste and all it that. It tips me off to where, where, what their palate enjoys. And then I build a case from there with... With also, with this in mind, that other people are going to be there too. So I'm trying to go middle of the road with some excitement. Right. So the lesson there is, and I agree with you, is that the question I asked was answered properly in the sense that I'm not going to give you six or seven choices of wines. I'm going to pry into what's important to you, what you like, and I'm going to help you get a case of wine that matches your taste, where you want to go, what you like, and all that. And that's the way our listeners should approach that. thousand percent. There's Kilolo's 
I wouldn't say everywhere, but a lot of places. And those are the people that you really, you know, want to, you know, take advantage of. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. But that's why I think retail, you know, it's stores like you, neighborhood stores are so important. Um, All right. We're starting to run out of time. We still have a little time. I want to do a couple things. I want to subject you to our wine list because I want to get pry into some of your tastes. I'm trying to go over an hour, guys. I'm trying. Oh, no, no. You'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and then I want to I want to taste, evaluate, and have a discussion about the wine that you brought in because you hit a home run in the sense that you did what I asked you. You brought in an interesting wine, delicious you know, accessible at a store like yours, fair price and all that stuff. All right, so let's start with the wine list. Five questions. We ask all our guests the same five questions. Here you're we not go. Ge- you're not getting anything different. Mm, mm, you know, I'm prepared. Mm, you no, are I'm prepared? Oh, well, I'm sort of prepared. I hope you're not because I like one... to be spontaneous. Don't even tell me. All right, first question. What is Kilolo drinking now? What's in your fridge? What are you tasting more of for the store? What are the seasons bringing to you? Give me a few things that, you know, is a current tasting now thing. Okay, so I don't drink alone. I don't drink. I'm single. I live at home by myself, so there's nothing in my fridge. There's tons of product right, in my house. You know house. what I mean. So what I don't you... know, but I'm, I'm, I'm just That's interesting. prefacing. That's interesting. That I have rules for myself okay. because I've been in this business a long time and, you know, I like to keep it a little a little clean. So I am tasting for the store. I'm tasting every day. I taste God knows how much wine. What is interesting to me right now is I am pushing reps to give me cheap and cheerful because... Cheap I get. We'll change that to inexpensive. What does cheerful mean? Cheerful meaning it's it's a, it's stoop juice. Like you sit on your stoop and you pounding it. Like there's a is that wine. lower alcohol stuff necessarily? No, no, no. but chillable reds. That's chillable like a, reds. chillable reds right now. That's like the theme of the summer. Give me one or two chillable reds. Anything come so to mind? The Freddo. F-R-E-D-O? F-R-E-D-D-O. D-D-O. Coming out of, um, it's Field Recordings, I believe. Yeah, Field Recordings, Jenny and Francois. It's $19.99 on my shelf. It's in the fridge. It's 100% Sangiovese. That's what I'm looking for. Kills it. It's fresh. It's bright. Um, It is organic, but it's just yummy. Sounds great. You know, I have that in the fridge. Um, And then, funny enough, Zev... Another natural importer. OG. OG. Um, the Bloom. It's a blend um, of about seven seven different grapes, a couple of which are white grapes. Um, it has this, it's it's a beautiful, and it's just, it's just so, another yummy red. So it's a, it's a blend of grapes, not necessarily a field it's blend. It's a red blend. Red blend. And a red, sorry. It, no, it could be considered a field blend because it's red and white. What, uh, where's it from? Uh, that's California too. Oh, okay. So that's Bloom is the maker? Yeah. Okay. So those are good ones. I neglected to tell people that I post everyone's answers on our social media because they love to uh, get good records. And so far, those are good. Second question is the goofiests. I love Goofy. Favorite wine and food pairing. Not what you think is a good wine and food pairing. Not what I think. What you like. Oh. Like you could say oysters and champagne or perfect. No, what, what's a good, what do you like? Obviously, you're not going to eat every week, month, whatever, but what kills? 
so back in the day, and if you dig deep enough, you'll find it. I started this blog called <laughs> Champagne and French Fries. See, champagne and fried foods are off the charts. But champagne and French fries. I'm with you. Right. So I'm OG in it. I'm out so myself. So your answer and you can is see the champagne two, and French fries. Yeah, you can see the two posts. One was about like Trader Joe's Gyoza or something. I don't even remember. I, I haven't seen it in forever. But that was like, I'm going to stick with that. That is the answer. So three foods that I order well and done. And then if you have to add mussels to it, because mussels and fries. Mussels, moufrites is my favorite thing to eat besides chicken salad. With like a white wine sauce mostly? Yes. Okay. So three things I order well done. French fries, chicken wings, and pizza. Mm, Because I like a crispy French fry. And I love it with champagne. So we're going to put down champagne and French fries. Yes. All right. Um, Of late, you've been consumed with the store. You're busy and all of that. But I want you to tell me favorite wine restaurant and or bar a place that you recognize when you walk in the vibe is nice the people know their stuff the selection is good and by i always say this by naming something you're not leaving anyone out nor is that your number one choice it's just the suggestion oh i don't care about leaving people out it's a suggestion of what you think is a good wine you know tell me what comes to mind a good wine, good wine restaurant and or bar. All right, so this is very predictable, but I'm gonna name I'm gonna name three to shake it up. Is that okay? Yeah, but th- don't preface it by it's predictable. These are your answers. I'm just saying. Like, I'm just I, saying. I, I don't care that it's predictable. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm prefacing predictable because right, I want already. people to know. Go I'm ahead winning. already. You're wasting Contento. time. Contento. Yes, our dear friend Yannick, which I want to uh, brush on towards the end. But Go not ahead. just Yannick. Mara. Mara is wonderful. And I always forget that. And Everyone everyone. forgets, but that's I'm shouting Mara out. What up, boo? How you doing? That's one of my BFs. Okay, so Contento is 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 fits that box. But the food is also amazing. Oscar killing it. Like the like a Peruvian fusion. I can't. I lick the plate. I, it's just (laughs) it's redunk up there. All right. And I'm from Brooklyn and I and I own a store in Brooklyn, I go up to Harlem. So Contento is one. Contento is one. Please. Leland. Where's that? See? See? See, this See? is discovery. This, this is why, why we do this. this. D- Leland on Dean and Underhill. Randy and, oh my God, his 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 wife. I'm blinking on her name because we haven't formally I'll been introduced in. yet. L-E-L-A-N-D, Leland? Yes, Leland eating and drinking. I, I, they're so, because I'm on Vanderbilt. So I'm at Leland, I'm at Lalu, I'm, you know. Joe Campanella. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all, all over right, the so damn place. All right, so we're doing place. Contento, Leland. You said you had a few, three. There's one I know is the bomb. I still haven't made up there. Who? Clay. Clay up Another in Harlem. Another Harlem. Is that Gabriella? Yes. Okay. And she wants to put me in a headlock, and she should, <laughs> because my butt still hadn't been All right, up there. so get your ass up there. I gotta get Maybe my ass I'll up meet there. you there. Yo, let's go. I was just about Maybe to say, I'll let's go. There. Let's do that. Oh, my God, excited. I'll get you out on a weeknight or yes. something, when it's nice and quiet, and we could sit with Gabrielle. I'm about that. All right, so those three places, I will post them. All right, fourth question. Mm. Here's the question. Favorite all-time wine. Now, let me go backwards. I always say I'm the most redundant guy, so I'm redundant about saying I'm the most redundant guy being redundant, but that's a whole Just like story. me saying predictable? Right. So, 
Leash, you don't say absolutely. Uh, so when I started the show, I wanted to find out the rarest, most expensive wine you ever drank. I don't give a crap about that anymore. I want to know, you and I discussed your journey, a 20-year journey, you know, to really having your hand in running this and owning this store. I want to know the wine, wines, one, two, whatever, that woke you up, influenced you, changed the way you thought about wine, gateway wine. Was it at Ledoux? Was it at Johnson? What's, what's a wine that was important to you? All right, so this is a multi-layered answer. First wine is Clicquot. Right, and you discussed why. That was like a gateway or an eye-opener. Yeah, and, and now it's it's such a big thing. I tasted it recently, and I was like, oh, this is not, <laughs> it's not the Clicquot of my youth, um, unfortunately. I get that. Um, so Clicquot to start. Good the one. second one is what led me into wanting to go into the wine business, but that's not the answer to your question, really. Uh, Fat Bastard Shiraz, coming out of the Languedoc. Where I was in you, culinary I, I read school. Some, where did you drink that? At, at culinary school, right? I was making a red sauce. I was getting my food marketing bachelor's, and I was at home, and I w- wanted to add some red wine to my sauce. And I went to this wine store, and he was like, go get the Fat Bastard. And I was so, like, what? And that, that I, I know the wine, wine. I know the label. It's fun. I'm not sure I had it. But is that a good representation of a wine for a decent price or it's just a crappy cheap wine? It's changed. And I haven't had it in a long time. But what was it before it, it, it was It was 100% Shiraz coming out of the language. And decent for the money? It was fantastic. Oh, okay. It made me like... And you're saying it may still be that or maybe not? It may or maybe not. Okay. I haven't tried it in like, I don't know, f- six years. I Clicquot, Fat Bastard. You got another one? So, Ledoux's Wines. This is a cool story. Marty Gold, who used to be half of the importing company Martin Scott. Oh, okay. He won- started selling off some of his cellar. So, John Luke got the chance to get it on consignment. And there were all these wines that had eroded labels. Did he have a skew like Burgundy, French, or everything? It was it was a lot of Burgundy. Okay. <laughs> like a shit ton of Burgundy. Okay. A treasure trove all of right. Burgundy. That's fun. And we called it the house wine. Really? Yeah. And when people would come that we loved or just hanging out in the store... Jean-Luc would say, go get the house wine. And we would like jump ah, up and down like, yes! That's great. And I will say this, Domaine Laflave, we had so many of those bottles. All we, different. All different vintages. And different uh, All different uh, vineyards. vineyards. All. Wow. I can't tell you how much of an education that I was, was. going to say you were lucky to be exposed to that and we just I mean it went on for years <laughs> like, we were, we wow. were, yeah. it wasn't like a one week thing no yeah. this was like a, a full maybe year and a half very very cool because we we lucked out we worked with such a great man but he also we were such a good team it was Jason Cook Mara Yannick um, Yannick was there when you were there. Yannick right? started there, and I, the whole time I was working there, he worked there too. Um, 
so you know it was all of these professionals and all of us were friends yeah that's so and crew. it was it so mara goes back great. to ledoux with you oh and yeah when okay. yannick started wheeling forward well we no all don't there. i want to talk to you about oh, that sorry. at the end of the show I'm jumping. all right so those are your favorite all-time wines all right last question and then we're going to taste our wines but i have a question before that Last question, and I don't want to put the pressure on you. I've been doing this show five years, plus. Cinco. Cinco years. You know, we've done 300-plus episodes, you know, 250 on uh, Heritage. We go on the road to Charleston, Washington State. Neighbor. Oh, we're, we're up. All right. So I'm actually going to say that I can't think of it. Anybody better than you in all the years to answer this last and fifth question. Okay? Okay. And here's the question. I asked my guests to recommend to me the best wine around 15, 20, 22 bucks. I always say my kids are in their mid-late 20s. They can't buy crappy supermarket wine, but they can't walk into a dinner or give a gift for 40, 50 bucks. Yeah. How do you wow? At 19, 20, 21, 22, I need a red suggestion. I need a white suggestion. You can give me a region. You can give me a maker, whatever. Varietal. So the red is once again this $17.99 Longue Nebbiolo Guida Bono. I didn't bring that. But so the sparkler that we're drinking, the maker Guida Bono yes. makes a red. Longue Nebbiolo. Longue Nebbiolo. Love Longue. Love the region. Love Piedmont. Nebbiola. And it, it falls. Say no more. That's my red. Or the Odoardi Savuto. Spell it. Oh, oh God. Really? O-D-O-D-O-A-R-D-I. It used to be called a Savuto. So now it's called 1480. Where's it from? Gagliopo. I'm blanking on where's it's another Italian. Don't worry about it. And which was wild is that I like, will email you. Italy's and we'll... my 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 worst area, but <laughs> these two they used to call it the Kilolo crack at a store I used to work at. Like sell so much of it because it's just approachable, yummy Gagliopo, prunes, plums, Ooh. dark yeah, like just like mm, like yum. Um, so. The Milu, sorry, three reds. Milu, <laughs> how, coming how do you out spell? of Ribera. M I L U. Milu. Yep, coming out of oh, the this Ribera. Is, I'm going to take a picture of that. So, uh, coming out of the Ribera, 100% Tempranillo, 50 year old vines. Ooh. 16.99. Ooh, it's got all the, uh, it's got all the uh, stats that you want. Yeah. Now, in terms of a white, I mean that's. Almost like easier because there's so it always is, believe it or not. Because there's so much Sauvignon Blanc, there's so much So give me one or two things. I mean What kills in that price category? Uh Puesh Cuckoo Un Oak Chardonnay. P U E C H is the maker. Cuckoo. C O U C O U C O U C U T. Okay. I'll figure that out. I can't because well, I didn't I, even think about the white. See, now this is you caught me off. When so I that's post it, you and I will yeah. correspond for all the correct. An oak Chardonnay, twelve ninety nine. What's it called? Twelve ninety nine. It's an oak Chardonnay. An oak Chardonnay. I love that. That's. I mean, that's fantastic. Um, one more. Another white. Oh, you know what? Sauvignon Blanc. 
Otto's Constant Dream, 1599, Marlborough, New Zealand. Otto's Constant Dream. Yeah. Never heard of the it. OCD. See, that's why we do this. Coming out we of communal. We post this. We rely on you to give us stuff like that. So I'm talking. Is everything you're talking about at least available at your store? Yes. Okay. So, you, you know, I'm. we're talking about these importers. We're talking about Yann Dumori. We're talking about Baron Francois. We're talking about Zev. Jenny. Jenny. We're talking about um, communal. Um I deal with Polana, I deal with both. Like, this is the other thing I do want to say. Like, I am dealing with a crap ton of importers. And that's another reason why I love being in retail. Because I do get to reach out. And smaller importers. Like, people that just started. Like, Louis Copeman. I haven't bought off of him yet. But we met at Ledoux. He's importing only from Portuguese wines. There's John Grammer, Skin Contact. You know, he's doing... Skin contact wines. So it's whites, reds, skin contact. I love that. I wish the orange category would just be skin contact. Like, I know. That, you know, but that's going into that rabbit hole. But, you know, it's really, I'm very lucky that I get to work with outside of who I hire. But I choose who I work with. Right. And I choose the importers and I choose the sales reps because they give a shit. Right. And that's important to me because right. I give a shit. Right. And you, you're you not a huge store, so everything you have is important. And you calculate all those important yeah. things. Yeah. And right now, a lot of things are sold out. <laughs> I know. It's driving me crazy. That's that's a new... I have no Pinot Grigio in the store right that's now. A and that's July 4th. Story. <laughs> it's wild. All right. So I want to talk to you about our weekly wine sip. I asked you if you would select a wine that we could taste on air that reflects your taste, the store's taste, you know, that um, uh, sort of represents, you know, all your uh, values. Well, your glass is empty, so we need to... So, tell me what we're drinking as you're pouring me. Well, I'm not close enough to the mic, so hold on. Uh, Let me... Fill this bottle, you and me? Uh, we could have. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the goal. Um... So- so give me give me so, the stats first. Give me the exact name of the wine. Guida Bono. Spell G-U-I-D-O. Here we go. G-U-I-D-O-B-O-N-O. Guida Bono Guida is Bono the maker. Is the maker. Segrete Vigne. I will write that in our social media. That is the fantasy name. Okay. So the name of this bottling. It is their sparkling Nebbiolo. Okay. So, you know, let's not push that aside. Um, from the Piedmont region... Nebbiolo, you know, which is the, the mm-hmm. important grape of that re- It's a sparkler. Yes. So and it's it's, it's a pale, you know, almost it's white. It's a Blanc de Noir. Yeah. Wait, so I'm confused. As much as I know about wine, I know less than a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Is is this a white Nebbiolo or it's just a Nebbiolo where they get it off the skins? So it's the Nebbiolo grape. Right. That quickly pressed, no skin contact. That's what it is. So it keeps yeah, the so color. Yeah, so it's Blanc de Noir. Okay. That's what Blanc de Noir is. That's what Blanc de Noir is. Dark white. grape where off the skins keep the color off. White wine. Because look, every grape that you bite into besides like four different grapes, the flesh is going to run clear juice. It's the skin that gives the color. Right. Right. All right. So is there a vintage year in this or this is 20, a not? 2017. 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what's in the market? Or you pulled a, I had, a bottle with a little bottle age? So it's showing incredible for five years, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's delicious. 
it's probably different than if we had a 20 or a 21. It's probably a little richer, or a little more evolved. Totally. All right. So color we talked about. It's a Blanc de Noir. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's basically, you know, a light straw. I mean, there's it's not a light even. straw yellow. There's not even a tinge of, you know. All right. So that's the color. I suck at this. I always say, I defer to you. What do you get on the nose? Oh, on the nose? Mm-hmm. I mean, it actually has a touch of that, like, champagne richness. Mm-hmm. It's not a full-on brioche. It's not... A little it, traits of all of that. Traits of... Because you can get some pretty brioche champagnes. Yeah, you're, you're this is not a, that full-on, like, toasty, nutty... I agree, though. It's, it's there, but... But like, it's sitting there. It's, like, wanting to be there, but it's just not, which is nice, because it's very light. What else do you get? Um... I'm getting some pears. Mm-hmm. A little bit fruit. of apple. Not like not Granny Smith, but like no, not Macintosh, but not that sour apple. Yeah, but, but, but just appley. Apple. Light. Light on the pear, light on the apple. Totally. That's what comes to mind. All right. So when we talk about, you know, white wines, red wines, we talk about mouthfeel. They could be mm-hmm. unctuous, they could be thin, they could be medium, medium plus. What's the mouthfeel on this? I mean, this is, you know, on the fuller side of light, lighter side of medium. Yeah, that's what I... It's not rich, but no. it's not thin. It's, it's, it's not got thin. A good, it, it, has, it tastes well made and it tastes medium. It has it, it has really good weight. Mm. And the size mm. of the bubble is really, really nice and, and it's soft. Like the mousse. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, does the palate reflect the nose? Does that pear, apple, it brioche? It does, but, but all of a sudden it kicks in with this tart kind of like yes. tartness. A nice tartness. Yeah, that make that the bubbles play off of. So you're not puckering because of that in right. this like very odd way. You think, why aren't you puckering? But also your mouth starts to water a bit. The acid is... It's it good. kicks in. It's yeah. I, mean, I think it's well well balanced. So <laughs> when we talk about acid, we move into food. What's a good wine pairing? What's a good food pairing for this? I mean, it's sparkling. So? French fries. All right. So we did the French <laughs> fry thing already. Give me something else. I mean, for something like this, funny enough, like a salad with some shaved apple. Like a light, even like with like a sprinkle of That's blue cheese, one. that would be super good. That's a, it could cut through the cheese. It could, could complement the apple. Yeah. Like I could see something like that to start as like an app. For an entree, you know, this is, um, you know, something with a little more fat. So even if it's like. A fish, maybe like a bourbon blanc sauce or something yeah. like that. Some kind you of pair sauce. to the sauce, not just to the fish. Yeah, because you have to fight the sauce. Right. So yeah. I would do something. It could like, hold up to that. I think it could hold up to that. Those are good ones. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this is a really versatile. It's also Nebbiolo. Like, I like a lot of white wines made from red grapes. Yeah, I think like it's one cool. of my favorite wines from Long Island is coming out of Bridge Lane, and they have a white Merlot that slays ah, every single time. Bridge Lane, white what, what's on the label? It says white Merlot. It says white Merlot. And That's it's a, I'm gonna post that too. I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna post all of Kilolo's um, uh, wine list answers. I'm gonna post our uh, weekly wine sip and any other uh, wines that she dropped, like that. Uh, 
Merlot from Long Island, of all places. All right, Kilolo, we've run way over an hour. Yay! We. My goal achieved. I'm, I'm couple things. I'm surprised and happy that Liam didn't come in here and rough me up to get me off. <laughs> the second thing I just realized, and I'm glad that we got this far, that I don't think the air conditioner's on. It's not. <laughs> starting to, starting I'm starting to die here. Schwitz. But thank God it's the end. Right. It's, it's, it's Schmitz time <laughs> here at Roberta's. Real. At the Heritage Radio uh, Studios. Mm-hmm. All right. So I want to thank our guest, Kilolo Strobert. Kilolo is the proprietor of fermented grapes in Brooklyn. I didn't ask you about this, but I want to ask you two things, and then I want to get info where we can get you. So any plans of putting the platform online? I have a website, but it's in beta version. So within okay. the next like month, you'll see it explode. And I can order stuff? Yes. Okay. You can order right now just for pickup, but... So if anyone listened to this show and listened intently, they know that you know your stuff. What about the idea of relying on you for a wine club? Want to start wine club, but it's either going to be launched in August or September. That's soon. But yeah. You, but so if I listen to this podcast and I go, I like that Kilolo. I want her to pick my wines. By the holidays, I may have a shot to be in a wine club? Yes. Okay. 1,000%. And okay. it's, it's going to, the wine club will be, it's going to be oddities. Well, I That's hope the so. Hint. I hope yeah. that it's not, you know, just, you know, uh, you know, sending in the uh, check. All right. So the last thing before I ask you for info is um, we talked about our dear friend, um, Yannick Benjamin. Yannick started an organization called Wine on Wheels. Um, you are involved with that. Yep. Tell me what you're doing with them. So we are still trying to figure out how to get things back up since... You mean like a live event, a big yeah. fundraiser and yeah, all that? I is, was, can that happen in 2022 or probably not? I, I believe we'll see 2023, okay. so which start makes more realistic. Um, so just I because promise if I'm still around, I will tip people off to that. You will be around. No, but I want people to know. Oh, yeah. You know, I usually have Yannick on when it leads up to that mm-hmm. so we can talk about that. Um, I actually had him on... For the opening of Contento, then the pandemic hit and it opened two years later. So, so crazy. Yeah. So crazy. Um, so. So, yeah, it's we're but it's, you know, it's near and dear to my heart. It's something that I'll always be involved in. Now and, I know why with you, Mar and Yannick and all those guys, you oh, know, yeah. who have a relationship. You know, but Yannick also, I mean, is one of the most special people that I've met in this business. But everyone knows someone that has a disability. Yes. You know, it's it's it's. But Yannick thinks out of the box. He's like, you know, I, I want to open a restaurant. And his vision, you know, is inclusive to many, many things. And I give that to him. Yeah. You know, he's and he's recognized for that, which he deserves. All right. Lastly, if people want to know about you, where can we find you on social media and the Internet? Let's start with the store. Fermented Grapes. Where do I go to get more on that? Fermentedbk.com, fermentedbk on Instagram, Kilolo Strobert on Instagram. Okay, those are all good. Those are the three. I'm in the right, store. So if, if you want to know, if you want to know about the store, you go to fermentedbk.com. BK. You know, you can see the selections, a lot of stuff we want to 
we talked about. If you want to see what Key Lolo's doing, you can go to her uh, site. But also, we're in we're on Vanderbilt Avenue. We're by Prospect Park. We're by Brooklyn Museum. We're by. So Botanical what Garden. are you saying? Get your ass in there? Yeah, okay. come down to six five one Vanderbilt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with that, and you know I encourage that to pe- for people to find a local retailer and create a loyalty with them. All right, we got to wrap it up. I want to thank my guest, Kilolo Strobert. I want to thank our engineer Liam and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to the Grape Nation. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.